Welcome back to Legends and Libations, the podcast where we take urban legends, common misconceptions, and debunk them or prove them right. Well, mostly debunk them. I'm here with my co-host remotely via social distancing, Ross. Hey guys, it's Ross again in my bedroom where it's nice and quiet and cozy. Welcome back to uh, the uh, sheltering and placing uh, podcast of legends and libations. We're not going to call it the Q word. I hate nope. that word in this situation. Nope. I've actually, I've actually uh, like corrected a few people on that now that I know kind of what quarantining means. Um, so it's good. Excellent. Well, how did they take it? They kind of just looked at me like, okay, who cares? Like I'm still going to call it quarantining because it sounds cooler, you know? Um, but they, you know, at least their their brains were filled with knowledge now. Well, that's what this is all about, right? Exactly. So what are you drinking for today's episode? All right. Uh, on this episode of Legends on Libations, I'm kind of sticking with the whole breakfast theme, even though it's 2.30 in the afternoon, because I'm time has no relevance to me anymore. I'm sleeping until like 11 now. I'm going to bed at like 2 a.m. Um, so... Uh, last week I had coffee with a little bit of uh, the Cafe Patron. Uh, this week I'm going with a little bit more beachy theme. Uh, so I went with kind of like a uh, rum sunrise type thing. It's uh, Malibu rum and then um, pineapple juice, orange juice, and then I also threw in uh, some regular rum. It's a uh, Kirk and Sweeney rum. It's from the Dominican. Okay. Um, so it's actually very good. I, I miss the flavor of pineapple and like uh, coconut, kind of like pina coladas. So I'm actually very excited about this drink. So what are you this, drinking? It, well, first of all, is this in response to the Jacksonville beaches opening back up? I guess you could say that. I don't have my umbrella with me uh, for my drink. But yeah, since the beaches in uh, Duval are open... Uh, then we can say that it's in honor of beaches being open. I'm down with that. Uh, so what am I drinking? Also yeah. something a bit lighter, because I guess it is technically summertime. Well, it's always kind of summer in Florida. Always. Uh, the Orange, Poss- sorry, Orange Blossom Pilsner from the Orange Blossom Brewing Company right here in Orlando, Florida. There you go. I, I don't think I would like Orange Possum Pilsner. No, it would be terrible. It would be terrible. <laughs> terrible it might act dead though that'd be the problem it play dead and then wake up an hour later right that is a good beer so i'm very happy you're drinking that one so cheers to the next episode cheers remotely or through the internet i don't know yep there we go all right so legends and libations episode four what do we got today are you ready to have your mind blown always so I kind of thought about this for a while and then it kind of came more to the forefront with the whole COVID or as certain people call it, the China flu. Okay. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of like stuff swirling around and I was like, let's tackle this. And the more I went into it, it went to a rabbit hole. Oh boy. Turned to another rabbit hole, which I ended up on the other side of the world. It was the craziest journey I had taken. 
I said holy shit out loud probably a dozen times. <laughs> We're talking today about Chinese food myths. Oh, man. Okay. Do you like Chinese food? Wrong? I do. I do. I do. Uh, whether it be, uh, you know, China buffets where you can kind of indulge in whatever you want. Um, or whether it's uh, this little place that we go eat lunch um, near my work uh, in uh, off of uh, Orange Blossom Trail. Uh, it's called Lai Lai, where you can get, it's a, all you can eat for like $7, and you can take a plate with you. Um, and it's like, it's seven bucks, but this plate, they don't do it by pound. So you can fill this thing up. As long as it fits, you can bring it home. Oh, wow. uh, so yeah, I do like Chinese food. What is your favorite Chinese food? Ooh, uh, good lo mein with uh, probably some like um, I'm not a big like Chinese pork fan. I kind of like the Chinese uh, chicken dishes, so almost like a General Tao's type uh, dish um, or something kind of spicy, sweet and spicy chicken. Yeah. Yeah, I'm big into like that. General So, which I I was gonna talk about him. It's kind of this whole weird story, but it was like it could be his own episode. Okay. But it's named after this dude, he's like this crazy conqueror, like this brutal warlord. They named the chicken after him in this whole weird story. Um Bourbon Chicken's another one. I'm with you on like the, the meteor dishes. So, what are some common things you hear about Chinese food? Okay. Um, some of the main ones that I could think of is they put MSG in everything. Okay. Which I don't even know what MSG is. Like I couldn't, you know, pick MSG out of a lineup of seasonings, if it is even a seasoning. Um, or uh, let's see, what's another myth I can think of? That they cook with dog meat. That's a big one, I think, that everybody kind of associates with Chinese food. Um, I think of <laughs> the uh, Christmas story where they kind of serve a whole fried, like, roasted duck, and then they just chop the head off on the table. Like, that's another one where I think of, you know, do they actually do that in restaurants? Okay. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a few. I'm sure there's dozens more so those are just ones that i can think of right now perfect we're gonna hit a couple of those okay the dog one not so much basically quick aside of that it's very rare to have dog it's like very very outlying provinces a lot of activists have been kind of like pushing it for the forefront so now it's becoming less and less common the yulin dog festival every year they've been trying to move it and it's starting to get canceled more and more because the activists are kind of going hey we're standing up. This isn't right the way you treat the animals. It's fine if you eat the animal, but you can't treat it inhumanely. Yeah. So it's kind of brought to like a light to like a big situation. And a lot of Chinese people are starting to come around to it, which is fascinating and good in a weird way. So it well, all works. Okay. Well. So they actually do it, but they're kind yeah. of cutting back on it. Okay. It's not as common as you think. Everybody thinks it's like everywhere. Like, oh, you're, oh, you're Chinese. You eat dog. Not that common and less common now. Than it has been in the past. Okay. Okay. The first one we're going to dive into is what is the myth or the common saying, like if you eat Chinese food and hunger afterwards? 
Um, well, I know when I eat like probably five cup, five cups of rice or meat or some type of Chinese food, I'm usually hungry after in like 30, 45 minutes. And I'm like, I just ate all this food. Like, why am I still hungry? Exactly. So, I, okay. Then that is where we're going. Good. I want to know, is, is that, is that a thing or is it just a mental thing? I want to know. It's a little bit of both, but there is some truth to it. The funny thing is um, traditional Chinese food is like a lower protein, lower fat, and a lower fiber option. The way the Chinese food we eat is Americanized Chinese food. A lot of the meats and the sauces, the sweets, like you said, sweet and spicy. Yeah. Stuff like that, fried, uh, rice, noodles. They all have something in common, the satiety scale. And satiety is how, like, how full you feel afterwards. Okay. So if you eat a lot of vegetables or uh, lettuce, things like that, it makes you feel more full, more satisfied versus if you eat like a candy bar. If a candy bar, you feel good, and then you're hungry like five minutes later. So the problem is, is a lot of like this meat is soaked in sweets, so sugary things. White rice noodles, they all have what's called a glycemic spike. I've heard so of that before. It, yeah. So it's like it, it shoots your blood sugar way up. You feel full. You feel lethargic. You want to go take a nap, and it goes away very quickly. It's a very high peak down versus like a higher fat protein combo the keto diet is a good example of that it's a slower climb and it kind of stays the way it is so it's kind of a slower build up and kind of a little straighter line versus up and down That's so my once i finish eating it gets to that peak and just kind of slows down like i can't kind of feel any more full than i already am well yeah for that for higher fats proteins things like that so Carbs, less less Carbs or more carbs? No, less carbs. More carbs, okay. you spike it up faster and higher, and then you get very tired, and then you crash afterwards. Gotcha. A lot of people get headaches yep. after it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I know, you know, I, I think you say sweets and stuff like that. So I know they use a lot of brown sugar in their, in their sauces, um, a lot of soy, which is a lot of sodium. So I feel like, you know, the sodium should fill you up or make you feel full um it does for shorter amounts of time oh okay okay so yeah so it doesn't have that sustaining ability to keep you full yeah that's more of a bloat feeling but correct Mm, okay so it's kind of funny though like americanized chinese food is like the culprit for us they blame chinese food but it's americanized tons of rice tons of white noodles things that have a very very like a spike versus a healthier balance of things like traditional Chinese food is. Okay. So what is more traditional Chinese food? Like what do they have that Americans don't? Or what did Americans do to the food to make it? So we added a lot more protein. They don't have that whole lot of protein. Okay. So the meats? Yeah, not a lot of meat. So that's a funny thing. Like, oh, you eat a lot of dog. No, they don't eat a lot of meat in general. Okay. Um, Another one is certain types of vegetables. What's the veggie you always see in every Chinese food here? Those little corn pieces. Yeah, that's one. What's another one? Uh, vegetable? Uh, green onions. I hate them. That's not a, there's some, but this is one in every one. And you're going to go, exa- oh my goodness. Uh, is it broccoli? 
Correct. There we go. Broccoli. That all came from us, Americans. They don't put broccoli in anything. Oh, man. We even have broccoli over there. Okay. That's Isn't that crazy? crazy? That it is crazy. Like so crazy. It's like, this is traditional Chinese food. No, this is American. So it's what we think is Chinese food. We just kind of add all this stuff for filling. Yeah. I'll talk about that a little bit later, but it's kind of fascinating because they were partially responsible for it and we were partially responsible for it. And okay. by we, I mean Americans, and by them, I mean Chinese immigrants. Yes. Who okay. opened the restaurants here. <laughs> Correct. Okay. All right. So that was a little bit fascinating, but it gets way crazier. Uh, what do you get at the end of every Chinese buffet? Or, or if you go to P.F. Chang's or Payway or Panda Express, what's sitting there by the register to hand to you as you walk out the door? Uh, it's one of my favorite things, a fortune cookie. I love fortune cookies. I don't know why. They're just kind of like stale, but they're crunchy. And I have a system of the way I eat them. I crack it open in half. Okay. okay. I eat one piece, the piece that does not have the paper in it, obviously. Uh, while I'm eating that first piece, I take out the fortune. I read the fortune while I'm still chewing. I read it, flip it over, look at lucky numbers to see if my favorite number is on there, 13. I see if it's on there. If it's not, you know, whatever, it's just kind of whatever. And then when I'm done eating that first piece, I'm done reading. I eat the second piece and then I'm done. Do you try, do you attempt the learn Chinese word? Absolutely not. <laughs> Why not? I, cause I feel like I'm going to butcher it. <laughs> and it's not like I'm going to remember what those symbols look like. And then I come back and be like, oh, that means this. Oh, I know that. Yeah, exactly. No, absolutely like, not. You're going to sit there and be like, you learn to say rice in Chinese and Mandarin. Yeah. And you, you go there like, hey, I want, and you say this, and they're like, what? No, you're not going to remember that. Nope, not at all. Touche. Um, so a quick aside, I was actually not going to put it in, but you mentioned the lucky numbers. I guess in Brazil, several of the lucky numbers have become winning lotto tickets. Huh. They kind of trace it back to like a, a random fortune cookie. Okay. Numbers and they use it and they won the lottery. Not I've like always it. wondered that if anybody's ever done that before. Isn't that, I was, I, I thought it was all BS, but obviously shows you how random mm. lotto tickets. In Brazil, it could work. There you go. All right. So fortune cookies, what about them? What's it made from? Oh man. Um, the reason why you love them so much. Uh, sugar. Uh, flour. There's two other ones. Okay, probably um, like a flavoring, almost like vanilla. Oh, good job. Is that a third one? Yes. Okay, I don't think there has any baking soda in it because they don't like rise or anything like that. Correct. Um, so, what oh is God. the every sweet, pretty much? Salt? Mm-mm. Mm. Uh, I mean, you got flour, you got sugar. Oh, milk or eggs. Eggs. Good there job. There you go. Yeah. Eggs, flour, sugar, vanilla. Okay. Excellent. There we so go. that's why you like it so much. It's like a vanilla sweet thing. Yes. Uh, so where do you find these? We've kind of already hit on them. Uh, you find them at Chinese restaurants. You can buy them in the store. I think I even have like a box here at my house. Wow. Um, you yeah. love them. Yeah. It's just a little quick snack. Um, I'm scared to know how many calories are in them, so I don't look at the box. Um, 
And uh, yeah, I guess just when you leave, they kind of bring it to your table or they're just there at the end when you check out. Okay. What countries do you think they're found in? Uh, America, because they're here. Okay. Um, Probably Canada. Okay. Um, And uh, that's probably it. I'm going to take a wild guess and just go. That's probably it. I mentioned another country a little bit earlier. Brazil. (laughs) Okay. So they're pretty much every country except for one. Probably China. two. China. China, correct. <laughs> so that kind of like begs the question, well, where the hell did it come from? Yeah. If they're in their Chinese fortune cookies in Chinese restaurants, where did it come from? It didn't come from China. Okay. Where do you think it came from? Japan. No. Damn it, Ross. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> that was actually impressive. Uh, yeah. So- no, I had no idea. I just think that like whoever makes those probably has some education of like what, you know, that type of food and that type of environment. So, and I don't know, I like if you've ever been to Japan and Epcot, uh, you know, or Japan in general, like the country, it's pretty amazing what like things they have and you know whether it's products or food or the way they you know merge products and food together so Mm -hmm. i feel like they could come up with something like a fortune cookie that's impressive so it was brought over the u.s between 1907 and 1914 okay there's been a debate on who brought it over and it brought it over to california obviously um but there was a lot of like research done and they found out that it was back in like the 18 and 1700s in Japan. I sent you three email, three pictures. You can pull them all up now. Okay. It's still being made in Japan. They just look a little bit different. The shape's all the same, but the fortune is on the outside. It's kind of wedged in between. Like think like uh, Pac-Man biting down and the papers like in between his, in his mouth, not inside of him. Yeah. Okay. So I'm looking at the first picture. Okay. Um, it's Why got, yeah, it's, it's a black and white kind of scan or photo of a old, old kind of like ink or drawing. Um, it's got what looks to be Chinese symbols on it. Um, it's Japanese actually. Japanese symbols. They're written vertically. Mm-hmm. You look um, the side, there's like a grill. Yeah. There's a grill with a kind of a grill master. They're holding some ingredients in their left hand. They have, you know, they're doing stuff on the grill with their right hand, but look, I can't. Look, at the, look at the edge of the grill. It, it looks like the little fortune cookies are clams. Kinda. Exactly. So they're old fortune cookies. And that, that was like from like way before it was even thought of in the U S that's cool. This, yeah. It's kicking around in a place called Kyoto, Japan. That's where kind of like the whole, it all came from. So look at the next one. These are yeah. made modern. Okay. These look like, if they were to be, if a fortune cookie were to be like purchased at a bakery, that's what these look like. So they almost look the size of like a bagel. Um, I mean, they could be a little bit smaller than that, but they look thicker, kind of plumper, um, and they look really delicious. How does the color look compared to how you... Oh, they're way darker. They're more like caramel, like a darker caramel color. 
Um, they look thicker and bigger. Um, so they look a lot more delicious. They look kind of, they look like fresh baked goods pretty okay. much. Perfect. There's a reason for that. And as okay. you open the third, I'll tell you why. Okay. Because that they have miso and sesame as like the main mm. ingredients. Not oh, that's actually sounds pretty good. Now these, these emails, I must say are way better than the ones you sent me last week for the antelope or the jackalope uh, episode. Because I, you know, I'm always scared to open stuff from you because I think it'll be disgusting. But these are actually very appetizing. Exactly. Now you're gonna have a Chinese fortune cookie or Japanese fortune cookie after this. I will. Uh, hopefully. Um, okay. So the last picture I'm looking at is a picture of one of those fortune cookies um, or fortune baked goods, um, and it has a little like looks like a piece of paper in the middle but it's not inside the actual pastry or uh like cookie um it's kind of just like in the mouth as if it was like pac-man like you said exactly they've been doing this like since the beginning and the reason they do it that way is they were afraid that people would eat the paper oh so they they thought just people would like pop it the whole thing in their mouth like popcorn and just devour the piece of paper Yes, which I can see you doing if you didn't know that paper was inside of it. Yeah, if I didn't know what a fortune cookie was, then yeah, I would absolutely eat the whole thing in one bite. But the fun part is taking it, cracking it apart um, into two pieces and then taking out the the paper after that. The whole texture thing of it? Yep. (laughs) I don't like the texture of paper in my mouth. It's not good. I feel you. So this all kind of started gaining popularity in the U.S. after World War II. So what happened was all these soldiers, these GIs coming home from the Pacific after fighting Japan um, were stopping off in California, mostly in San Francisco. So that's really a place it really was at the time. And they would get the very end. They called it a tea cake. Chinese tea cake at the very end. Okay. Yep. And then they, then they go home to Kansas or Indiana or Florida or wherever and go at their own local Chinese food restaurant. They'll go, Hey, where's your little tea cake? Where's your little cookie at the end? They go, I don't know what that is. So then they started picking up on it and people just started going crazy for it. Um, As people should, because they're delicious. I'm with you on that one. I ain't, I ain't faulting you on that one. <laughs> So there's a couple of theories on why the switch from Japan to Chinese food um, happened. And one of them was that when the Japanese came over and the Chinese, they kind of realized that their food was different and people didn't like, as in white people, didn't like the type of food that they had. So they kind of modernized it. And the problem was a lot of like Japanese food, like I love Japanese, I love sushi even like the more traditional versus the more Americanized one. But I can see a lot of people not liking it. You like sushi surprisingly. Oh, but like you just said, I think I like the Americanized version of it. Because if it has a little raw fish next to it in the menu, eh, eh, I'm not eating it. Exactly. Mine has to be cooked. Like I can eat fish, like I'll eat the salmon rolls. Um, And surprisingly that one I think is usually raw or smoked at least. Uh, those are pretty good. Um, but no, I like shrimp tempura sushi. I like chicken tempura sushi. 
Um, I also, you know, one of my favorites is a veggie roll. Um, even though I don't like cucumber, I will still eat a veggie roll um, with like broccoli, asparagus. Um, I think it has carrots in it too. Mm -hmm. uh, but most of all the ones I like have cream cheese in it too, which I assume is not a very uh, Japanese or Chinese food. So um, <laughs> I definitely like the Americanized version. I don't like the, I don't like the little ball of rice with, you know, the tuna on it or something like that. Uh -uh. Not me. Nagiri. Nope. Okay. This is an excellent example. Excellent example. Yes. Okay. They kind of come over, they have their version, fish heads, things like that. And they go, all right, American people, white people, try it. And they go, uh, no. Nope. So basically, exactly. So basically, they kind of started adopting the Chinese food menus. A lot of Japanese people own Chinese food restaurants, but they made it very American. Like we said, a lot of the chicken. Yeah. The broccoli stuff that we already talked about was how they kind of said, hey, this is how we're going to get people to eat our food or give us money for making food. Um, so that's where it kind of started off from, they think, which I could definitely see it happening. And theory number two, I think, kind of coincides with it. Um, where did I say it gained popularity in the U.S.? When? Do you remember? In the, like... You said the 1900s or something. That's what was brought over. It okay. Got very, very popular after World War II. Two. Okay. So what was a big issue, a cause of a lot of controversy even as a day? Uh, was it Pearl Harbor? I mean, if, if it was... was catalyst, yes. Yeah, but I feel like we didn't want anything from Japan during World War II. So we were like, all right, well, we beat them. We bombed them twice. We pretty much won this war. Like, we can eat your food now, you know? Well, so, well before that, the reason okay. why I made the switch from Japan, Japanese food to Chinese food is because of internment camps. You ever heard of that? Sounds familiar, but probably couldn't tell you what it is. But during World War II, um, there's a big fear, which is – ironic but a big fear that the japanese people that were here uh were all sleeper cell agents spies for the japanese empire i was gonna say the japanese government but it was an empire okay and so the, the japanese empire so we all rounded them up mostly in california and put them in our version uh, of a concentration camp yeah okay uh those are called internment camps those could be for their own good but it basically kind of showed this deep-seated racism because we didn't do it to any German immigrants, but that's yeah. a whole other story. Um, so what happened with that was the Japanese people were taken away and the Chinese people were there to pick up the pieces and actually take over a lot of the restaurants. And that's where they kind of, they kind of said, well, these things are going well, let's keep doing them. And the rest is history. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I'm surprised that in our deep-seated racism, of putting people in internment camps, we didn't grab all of kind of Asian descent um, and say like, oh, let's grab, you know, the Ch Japanese and Chinese. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm surprised we didn't just kind of grab everyone at that point. Well, that was mostly because the Chinese hated the Japanese at that, that time. So, mm, okay. but it was definitely a weird time. I think a lot of people got put in the wrong camps and whatnot. Yeah. All right, on to our third one. Oh, boy. You mentioned it earlier. You said you had no idea what it was, but it does get a bad rap. MSG. Okay. 
you know what MSG stands for? Massage seasonings greatly. Oh, phone ring. We got a drink. Cheers. Uh, yeah, massage seasoning greatly into food. Let's go with that. Okay. How far? How far close am I? Way off. <laughs> I'm trying to be nice, but no. <laughs> it stands for monosodium glutamate. Oh, okay. Do you recognize any of those words? Sodium. Okay. Mono. Um, you know what mono means? Oh yeah, one. Okay. Singular. One sodium glutamate. Do you remember what they said about the problem with MSG? Uh, it adds too much salt to it, so it kind of makes you feel bloated. Okay. Okay. That's probably also wrong <laughs> as you nod your head. Yeah. Have you also heard of the MSG headache? Um, is it similar to like a caffeine headache? They say it's pretty similar. Okay. Okay. So what is MSG really? I just say it was monosodium glutamate. Glutamate. Which is a very, very fancy chemical term. I know you love science. Do. Two, it's a sodium salt of glutamic acid. And it is a non-essential amino acid. Okay. You know what amino acid is? Something that breaks down something? In your body? Basically, it's an organic chain made up of an amine, which is a nitrogen and an end chain, usually hydrogen, and a carboxyl, which is carbon, oxygen, and hydrogen. And the carboxyl usually ends in an IC acid. So glutamate is glutamic acid. And what that is is, so you're kind of right. And it also comes with an R group, which is its own special section that makes up each amino acid. And these amino acids are needed by our bodies to live. So okay. you're kind of right. I'll give you that. It's a little bit weirdly worded, but I get it. Um, so they're essential and non-essential. Like I mentioned, this is a non-essential. Do you know what the difference is? Uh, I would say we need some of these to actually like pro some of these proteins or some of these i will say we need all of them okay to be able to kind of not digest food but to kind of break them down or what about flavor is it has anything to do with flavor no was well, okay. there an essential amino acid a non-essential amino acid well if you need one of them you don't need the other one no, I figured you were going to say that though. Okay. Essential is that your body cannot make it and you have to obtain it via diet. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a fascinating thing to, you know, way to say it, but I get it. It's essential that you get it. Uh, Non-essential, your own body can make. It's also made other places, but you can make it. And there's like a semi-essential amino acid, which your body can make a certain amount of it, but not all the way through. Because the way chemistry works, so my undergraduate degree is in chemistry, biochemistry to be specific. Very nice. And it's, it's a whole like building block of the situation. Essentially, as we make none of it, 
the semi we do partially but not completely and the okay. do all of it so that was your chemistry lesson for the day there you go msg is found naturally in mushrooms tomatoes cheese do you get headaches whenever you eat mushrooms tomatoes or cheese ross you know my relationship with mushrooms I also know your relationship with cheese. Oh, I do. Yes, yes, yes. It's pretty much the opposite of mushrooms. Um, there was the 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 meme going around. It was like I could never be a chef, uh, like a chef host or a judge on these cooking shows because that would be like, "Ew, this is mushrooms. You're eliminated already." You know, like nope, no mushrooms. I can't even look at them. They're disgusting because they're just fungus. It's gross. I so, can do that. I kind of want to see that now. This to see you, you know, on the next participant to be chopped as chef blank. Yeah. Use mushrooms, man. Because of mushrooms. mushrooms. And you yell at him as he walks away dejected after making a really, really good dish that you eliminate him because he used mushrooms. And then the guy that made cheese in his dish probably just, you could literally just put a slab of cheese and grill it. Um, and I would be way okay with that, and you'd probably win first. So I'm getting my uh, MSG from cheese and not from mushrooms. What was the last one? Tomatoes. Tomatoes. I only get that in ketchup. (laughs) I forgot about that. (laughs) Tomatoes, I – wow, MSG, or at least those three main ones are, like, way on my scale – you got mushrooms, which I never, I don't even look at because they disgust me. So I can't even eat them. I got cheese, which is part of almost every part of my diet, like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then tomatoes are kind of smack dab in the middle. I can handle them sometimes if they're cooked a certain way and in a pasta covered in cheese. I can have them um, in a salsa. Love salsa. I cannot have them raw, like just like a tomato on a sandwich. Nope. And I cannot have them uh, like kind of cooked whole, like fried tomatoes or when, you know, like when they fry tomatoes and stuff like that. I can't do that. But I can handle ketchup. I can handle salsa and Italian marinara sauces uh, are definitely my favorite. So that tomato is right in the middle. Mushroom and cheese are on the other end of the spectrum. So that's pretty funny. Just ran the full gauntlet of your food love-hate relationship, I guess. It's I mean, I do love food, um, but I hate certain ingredients. Let's just say that. That's why you love fazoli so much. Tomato I do like fazolis. That's where you get your MSG from. Of co- oh, I'm glad I'm getting my daily doses of MSG in every single one of my meals. So, MSG is known for its very strong umami flavor. Okay. You know what umami is? I know you've heard heard of it. Yes, I have heard of it. Umami? I feel Mm -hmm. like it's a plant or something. So, there are five basic tastes. There was four, and then this one got added recently. Okay. It's a new kid on the block. Do you know what the four basic tastes are? Sweet. Sour. Correct. Uh, Salty. Correct. And bitter. Wow. Good job. Charles Boyle. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh man. There was a running joke. If you have ever seen Brooklyn Nine Nine, uh, that uh, I am Charles Boyle from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, he has an infatuation with food, so that was that, it's, where that. Quote there's a whole lot more to that story. A whole lot more. But yes, you are exact. You're 100 him. So. Okay, so we got salty, sour, bitter, and sweet. Yeah. What's the last like? It's, whenever I read it, I go, "That makes sense." I'm surprised it was not on there already. What's the one thing of those that are missing? Hmm. Uh. Gross. Like disgusting, because well, I, I like things that are sweet. But a umami like... flavor is like a good flavor. Oh, is it? Um, man, that is a good question. What is it? So if I said, so you're more of a sweet person. Okay. If someone didn't like sweets, but they liked other types. Is is another word involved? Savory. There you go. Savory. That's okay. umami. I'm, oh. I'm savory flavor. That's umami. Oh, okay. Isn't that fascinating? Well, I didn't know there was a weird term for it. Umami sounds like a plant in that lives in like a mile under the sea. It also sounds like a mushroom, but it I'll does. That's why I'm disgusted by it. And after hearing all of this, does MSG sound like that bad of a guy? Not really, especially not if it's just in normal you know, ingredients like cheese or mushrooms or something, you know? But like you said, it was this thing added to Chinese food, which is actually very true. Now, did they break all, did they break it down into an actual like seasoning? Like if I'm putting Tony Sachery's or salt on a dish, like can you just add MSG as if it's like a physical seasoning? Yes, you can. It does look. It looks like a little white powdery substance, like salt. Oh, okay, salt's more grainy. So it's it's added to give that savory flavor. To correct, something. and wow. that's why it's added to add that savory, savory, meatier flavor to your dish. Like you add the salt, or you add a little bit of sugar, kind of enhance okay. flavors that's being added to enhance things. Fascinating, I thought. Yeah. So the myth is that they use MSG in their, let's say they're just making some fried rice, they throw it in there, or, you know, what's... No, that's, that's the truth. That the is the truth. The myth is that it causes you headaches, palpitations, oh. sweats, stuff like that. So they actually use it in some of their foods. Correct. But the myth is that it causes headaches and it has a downfall to everything. So people are like, oh, don't add MSG to my stuff. Um, you know, I get headaches and I get sick from it, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, so do you also not eat mushrooms? Do you also not eat tomatoes and cheese? Right? Look how woke you're sounding, Ross. I am. I'm, you're, you're just blowing my mind, filling my mind with knowledge. I told you it was like the craziest uh, story. and It just gets crazier. Just yeah. like the jackalope. It gets oh, yeah. crazier. Just like Tiger King, every episode just got crazier. Touche. I'll give you that. Yeah. This is called the Tiger King situation. So, Ross, okay. where do you think this all came from? You think people start like feeling all those crazy headaches and going, I'm getting it from I go eat Chinese food. If I have a little bit of that, that, that lo mein or that bourbon chicken, I get a headache. It's got to be from that. I think it came from Karen's. Ooh. 
I think Karen's in restaurants were just like, oh, what's that stuff they're adding? Why is it white? It doesn't look like a real seasoning. And then they get sick and then they blame it on the MSG. So I think it came from Karen's. I wish that was true. <laughs> but the real truth is even crazier. Oh boy. You ready for this? Hit me. They all started in 1968 in a letter to the New England Journal of Medicine. It's one of the most prestigious medical journals out there. Okay. You know a lot about medical well, journals? Well, I know, I know the prestigiousness of the New England like community. I mean, isn't uh, Harvard um, and I mean, Columbia is in New York, but uh, like Harvard and all those really good like medical colleges and universities are in the New England area. But do you know what a medical journal is all about? I would assume it's kind of similar to like the volleyball journals and websites that I follow. It just kind of talks about the the career or the field of uh, volleyball or medical field. So it kind of keeps the doctors, aka you, uh, up to date on some of the new emerging technologies and uh, experiments and stuff. 100% correct. Okay, well, a lot of people don't know about the journals. They think popular mechanics or things like that. Yeah, I could see that. You have a weird, weird case study or some type of study you've done, things like that. You, um, you get published in it. Do you have yeah. one that's published? I do have a few that are published. That's awesome. Oh, thanks. Congrats. I, I didn't even think about that when I was writing this up, but um, so there's other things that like letters to the editor and I, and there's a thing called peer reviewed journals where I actually just did a few recently where the journal sends it to me. I read over it and I go, I have some problems with this. I like this. I send it back to the author. They tweak it. They send it back to me. I go change a few more things or it's good to go. Send it out. So you're like a consultant. Yeah, kind of. Okay. Um, well, this one letter from the England Journal of Medicine was written by a guy who said he noticed that after eating at Chinese restaurants, he noticed numbness in the back of his neck, which gradually radiated down both of his arms and his back, general weakness and palpitations. Do you know what palpitations are? Yeah, like your heart palpitations. It kind of stops for a little bit or it skips a beat or it beats too fast. Something's with your heart. Wow, good job. I've watched a lot of uh, House and um, what's the other like medical show? Grey's the Good Anatomy. Doctor. No, not Grey's Anatomy. I'm not a 20-year-old woman. <laughs> scrubs? I watched some Scrubs, yes, because okay. it's a little bit funnier. Um, but yeah. Oh, and then uh, New Amsterdam. That's the other one. It's pretty good. Never even heard of that one. So this one guy just wrote an article and was like, after I ate this Chinese food, I started feeling like crap. There's a letter to the New England Journal of Medicine and he kind of called on, we said after I ate Chinese food, I noticed this. And he called on his other doctors to research the whole thing going, we got to figure out what the reason is. And he speculated a few things he said could be the higher sodium, which is not untrue. There's a little bit of salt to your Chinese food. Most Asian cuisine is pretty salty. Um, I see most food in restaurants is very salty. Yeah, of course. Uh, something in the sauce, the cooking wine. And he goes, maybe MSG. That could be a possible reason. Kind of like in passing in the letter. Yeah. 
And like I said, he said, hey, we got to figure out what's going on. This could be a big problem. We got to get to the bottom of this. Signed, Dr. Robert Homan Kwok, MD, Senior Research Investigator, National Biomedical Research Foundation, Silver Spring, Maryland. And the title of the letter was called The Chinese Restaurant Syndrome. Oh, boy. I, I feel like that's a lot of balls just to be like, man, I'm getting numbness in my arm. My neck hurts. You know what? It's got to be that low main I had earlier. Like, that's a lot of doctor. balls to be able to see that. This is a doctor writing this letter. Yeah, man. That's like, I don't even know. I, I feel like that's like cheating on your wife and then you're blaming it on, you know, the porn industry or something stupid like that. Like, oh, it, you know, this movie made me do it. You know, I feel like it's, it, why are you just pulling it out of your, you know, your butt like that? I just, I don't Because know. he said that he knows that Ashley is eating the food, so he thinks that's the reason why. Yeah, but did he do multiple tests of that? That's just, that's the part that's blowing my mind. But okay, so he wrote it in, you know, MSG in passing. I, I okay, I'm, you got me. What's going on now? So, here's the best part, okay? There's some problems with this. But the problem was before all this, it all it spread like wildfire. Like people went crazy about this. Doctors were writing in like some racist stuff. Some people were kind of going, this is all crap. Um, but problem number one, where did this guy work for? Do you remember? Worked for um, somewhere in Maryland. Yeah, the na good job. The National Biomedical Research Foundation in Silver Spring, Maryland. Okay. Does not exist. Okay. Okay. So made up a place. Got it. Yes. Uh, problem number two, there is no Dr. Robert Homan Kwok. Well, when you have a name like Homan, I assume you're kind of making that up. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a Karen. Not a Karen. I wish it was a Karen. It's a Homan. It's a home man. No. A co-man. Okay, it's so he didn't exist. Man. What? Okay. It all happened because of a bet. Oh, my God. And a little bit of like an insult to one's character. Okay. There was this dude named Dr. Howard Steele. And another doctor named Bill Hansen was making fun of him because Dr. Steele was an orthopedic surgeon. And he was telling him, hey, man, orthopedic surgeons are too dumb to get published. There are a bunch of like these these, uh, you know, jock muscle dudes that aren't very smart. Like the running joke in like the medical community and the cartoons is like hammer, smash, smash. Um, you watch the Flintstones? I used to, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's his name? Bam, bam. Bam, bam. That's an orthopedic surgeon. Bam, bam. Bam, bam. You know, if, if it doesn't fit, use a bigger hammer type yeah. of mentality. Okay. So he was like, dude, I'm going to show you. I'm going to get published in not only a journal – a medical journal, I'm going to get published in the New England Journal of Medicine, the premier, the creme de la creme of journal of medical journals. So what he decided to do, he was sitting there, he went and got drunk with his friends and, start, and then started eating a lot of Chinese food and started noticing getting sweaty and kind of feeling a little funny, probably from all the alcohol, and goes, I'm writing on this. So he wrote the whole letter and, and wrote the name Dr. Homan Kwok which is a play on human crock of shit. <laughs> so Dr. Robert, human crock. 
So like a crock of shit. Oh my god. Yeah. Just I to know. prove that to his friends that he could be published, no matter what it was about. Yes. And it exploded. People were going crazy. Uh, what was happening was these doctors were writing in going, I know the same thing happens to me. The Chinese gotta get run out of town. We gotta shut them down. They're the devil. All this craziness. And several guy going, Yeah, okay. And I also get, you know, I get brain freeze after I have a slushy. Let's run the slushy people out of town. So there's a lot of problems. And this comes into play because after it took off, he goes, Oh, whoa, whoa. Okay, I'm in the pu- I'm published. I'm gonna call the journal and say I was just joking around. Well, he called and they would not call him back. He called the director of the the, the journal and goes, dude, please call me back. Never got called back. So it, it already kind of like spun further out of control than he could get. And the big problem was, was that the New York Times picked it up. Oh, man. And they did a story on, and they said a, a Cantonese doctor, Dr. Kwok, who has been in the country for eight years, noticed the correlation and that there needed to be investigations showing down Chinese food restaurants. So then they went to all these Chinese food, Chinese food restaurant owners and goes, What's the problem with MSG? You know, it's known for headaches. Did you know that? And the guy's going, no, there's nothing wrong with that. They're like, yeah, it says it right here. Journal article caused a lot of bad press. Wow. I can't imagine. I mean, that just goes to show you that like, you know, media will just take in and run with anything just to kind of put someone on blast. Exactly. And I'm glad you mentioned that because it all boils down to one common theme, racism. Mm. The problem was is that, you know, things are a little bit different now, but humans don't like other people's cultures or food, especially back in the day. Yeah. But for any reason to kind of blast the new kid on the block, they always did. Um, Mark Twain was once said that he like saw them eating like mummified rats and bird's nests and crazy stuff like that, which is not true. It's all to make themselves look better. Yeah, and also kind of say, hey, this is a weird, the weird food that we don't know a lot about. Instead of kind of going, hey, let's try this new stuff out. Let's be open-minded. It's like, that stuff doesn't taste like ours. Get it out. It's got to be evil. I mean, I, I can see that, but it sucks that, like, we have to go as far as racism to kick food out. Like, it's food. It's not, like, just because it's not meat and potatoes and bread and cheese you know it doesn't like mushrooms not fit and mushrooms but mushrooms are everywhere so and they're evil according to you they are evil but i don't know it's just not you know why do they have to look at it like that like i I, you know just because of one stupid guy wanted to write an article about it i wish people would have done more research that too you know like they're just kind of running with whatever this article says no one wanted to look up who this human croc was um, and see if his, you know, research was viable. But you just said some people were arguing it. Like, no, this isn't true. I feel like those people should have stood up a little bit more. I think it all kind of started falling on deaf ears because of so much was whipped up around it. But I think not so much now, but let's just say right after 9-11, if there was a way to, to villainize, you know, Middle Eastern cuisine, uh, which is more probably Muslim, if you had a chance to kind of say, hey, this food's evil, you know, oh, the pita bread makes me sick. I don't know. Yeah. 
that would have been the time to do it yeah yeah that's when you kind of like wrap people up because they're looking for something to hate and this was a good example uh chinese people have been in the country for a while but they were new they you know in these sections we got a drink we got a drink we heard a buzz they would they would hear you know different language and and their food was very unique so then people find a way to hate on it it was just a way to hate on the new kid hate on somebody different which as a human species we suck at and we gotta change that yeah i mean i think we're going through that right now with like covid19 or coronavirus why is that right now i'm looking on facebook and you know not right now but you know when i go on facebook i see people like open the beaches open the social you know places open the mall open this and Mm. you know and then some people are like are you crazy like that's why we get in trouble is because we want to do it too soon but people aren't doing the research as to okay how is this being affected why do i need to stay home more why do i need to not you know why do i need to care about social distancing so people aren't doing the research right now and they're just kind of going with whatever somebody writes in an article so people need to do their own research like you did you know or the people back then when they were trying to fight for msg be like listen it's not a big deal it's okay you know i felt like those people need to stand up just like now you know, with the COVID thing, like people need to stand up and be like, no, listen, like this is what needs to happen. This is how we fix it. And this is where we're going. You know, this is how we'll kind of break into normalcy soon. You know, it just, it gets all skewed up when you're just reading quick little bites on internet. That's very true. But let's talk about the Chinese issue with the COVID. It obviously originated from Wuhan, China. We know that. Okay. Yes. Um, is there any problems you, you've been hearing from people? I hear it a lot, actually. Well, I think the biggest thing that I don't even know, because I haven't researched it, is did it actually come from an uncooked bat? So now they're saying no. They're I saying figured that. that. I, I figured it would be something crazier than that. I know it, at least what I've read, is it came from those markets that are just kind of in the middle of the street in China. Um, where people buy like their vegetables and their fruits, almost like a farmer's market type thing. Mm-hmm. It came from there where it just kind of infested a few things. So it just kind of started to spread from there. There was no patient zero type person. Well, there's always a patient zero. Okay. Those are the first person. Gotcha. Problem with eating the uncooked bat is what kind of disease is COVID-19? Um, it's a virus. Of course. Yeah, so it's spread like, you know, by... Well, uh, you can get viruses from anything. Anyway. Okay. So a warts of virus. You can have the stomach flu. That's a virus. Yep. What kind of virus is COVID-19? Um, it's a, like a, not influenza. Well, it's kind of like a flu, I guess, but yeah, it affects so, your respiratory system. Bingo. Right there. So if it was more like a GI tract thing, I could definitely see it from an un- uncooked bat or a cooked bat. Oh, true. Okay. But you would get this virus from breathing it in. Oh, uh, yeah. So there's so a theory that a guy went into a cave with a lot of bat guano and he got it from there. But what I'm reading recently, and Fox News said it and CNN said it, so it could be all false and it could all be true. Who knows? Is that it was released from a lab in Wuhan, China. They have a virus lab there. 
they're trying to, to come up with their own way to make vaccines for it and it got loose, which I could totally see happening. That makes more sense to me than some dude eating uncooked bad because you don't get an upper respiratory issue from eating food. And that's where the problem comes in because people kind of go, I don't want to eat this Chinese food because it's got the COVID on it. It's got the Rona on it. Yeah. No, no, stop, stop. And the problem is like, if you touch, that's why when you touch your face, if you, if you touch it, you touch your face, that's the problem. Yeah. So we still don't know exactly where it came from. We do not. Okay. But my personal opinion, I was hoping the cook bat was, because it was kind of funny sounding. Just to me, it was like, you know, yep. oh, somebody made a bat. Yep. But I did some research, and I guess a lot of countries eat bat. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's accessible. It's probably like a, you know, some weed squirrel. That's the funny thing in all this. You and I grew up in Louisiana. We eat some weird stuff. There. Wild game. Absolutely. Rabbits, squirrels. Yeah. So the technical term globally for that is called bushmeat. And I am surprised mm. Cajuns do not eat bat. Um, but wild animals that people trap and eat, it's called bushmeat. Okay. One of them is bat. It's big in Indonesia, huge in Madagascar. Okay. I guess they did a study that found if they outlaw bushmeat in these rural areas of Africa, which is actually pretty popular with the bat situation too, uh, there, Indonesia, the rural places, if they don't get access to that meat, anemia in children will rise by 30%. Wow. And that's not good. No. Yeah. So eat the bats. Eat the bat. Be humane about it and cook it all the way. Exactly. Not saying that uh, they'll get COVID from it, but they no. get a bunch of other things. And a big issue with like pork back in the day was, wasn't cooked thoroughly and they got a lot of parasites from that. So cook things properly and you can eat it. There you go. And don't assume that something's different than what you eat is a bad thing. No, we don't want to base uh, our food choices on racism. No. My whole thing is treat the animal humanely. I don't care what kind of animal it is. Treat it humanely. If it dies, I understand it's part of the circle of life. Animals get eaten by other animals all the time. But don't treat it. Don't shove it in a box with no room to move for years and then, then butcher it. No. Give it a good life, treat it humanely, and you can eat it. There you go. So, Ross, what did you learn today? Give me your top three to five things. I don't care. Okay. Um, let's say I'm going to start with um, – you mentioned a word earlier that I had no idea was a real thing or that they had a term for it. I just thought it was feeling full. I'm going to try to say it. Um, Sayity. There you go. There you, you, know go. Heard the, you ever heard the term I'm, I'm satiated? Absolutely not. No one on this, no one listening has ever heard of that. I'm satiated. No, no that's not I'm, a thing. I'm sati- I am satiated. I'm full. That's another term for saying I'm full. I'm satiated? Yes. Absolutely not. Get out of here, weirdo. No one says that. All right. Satiation scale or sati- satiety scale how full you feel. So I, if I want to feel like I'm proper, I'll say I'm satiated. Okay. Um, so that's one thing. I didn't know that was a thing, but I know that Chinese food makes you full really quickly. And then it kind of dies down because there's not enough to 
make you feel like you're full. So there's not a lot of fiber. Um, there's not a lot of, or there's a lot of protein, but that all just kind of gives you short, quick bursts of energy, not a substantial amount uh, for a long term. A lot of sugary carbs. A lot of sugary carbs, which is 80% of my diet. Um, the other 20 is cheese. <laughs> uh, fortune cookies came from Japan. I had to throw in something from fortune cookies in there just because uh, I like fortune cookies, but they originated in Japan and kind of have grown into Chinese and Japanese foods after we eat them. Um, I did learn that they were originally created with miso and sesame seeds. So that sounds pretty delicious. I wouldn't mind actually eating one of those. Um, and lastly, I learned absolutely nothing from the movie Osmosis Jones. Uh, let's just say that because I had really no idea about the chemistry of MSG. Not that they talked about MSG on Osmosis Jones, but I really, you know, the whole chemistry aspect of MSG and amino acids and what's, um, uh, you know, what's needed or what's, uh, what's created in our body already and what we need to ingest to be able to give ourselves nutrients. Like I had no idea about any of that. So that's another thing I learned. So, and I, I learned what's, that. Uh, no, Osmosis Jones. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, it's a movie. Um, it is the, it's kind of like there are cells in the body. Uh-huh. Um, I forget who the main actor is. I want to say it's like Will Smith or something. Isn't uh, that Shark Tale? Maybe. Uh, so <laughs> a policeman who is also a white blood cell um, and with the help of a cold pill must stop a deadly virus from destroying the human they live in, Frank. That's what Osmosis Jones. So it's, okay. It's Lawrence Fishburne, who plays um, Morpheus from okay. The Matrix. Chris Rock and uh, Brandy is also in it, as well as William Shatner. So hmm. they're all characters in it. Um, if you're a chemistry guy or a, uh, you know, a doctor, I feel like you should watch that just because it's funny. But I learned absolutely nothing from it, even though I watched it like 10, 12 years ago. Um, so all this amino acid and chemistry stuff is too confusing for me. That's okay. The main thing I learned was the whole MSG thing started off with a, not a prank letter, but a fake letter. Yeah. Prove a point. Fascinating. He proved a point about, you know, sending stuff to journals and media can be falsified and people just don't do their research in order to publish it. Crazy stuff, man. Absolutely. So was it as crazy as you thought it would be? Yeah, I mean, it's funny to see, like, you know, I go through my life kind of optimistically oblivious to certain things, but now I'll have a little bit more respect for Chinese uh, restaurants for staying alive through all these people that kind of frown upon it, either based on racism or based on they think that all the sodium and MSG will hurt them. So I respect them a lot for sticking around and kind of pushing through it. I mean, you can't mess around with delicious Chinese food. 
especially when it's only seven dollars for a whole like five pounds of it so and if they went away the chinese fortune cookies would go away and you'd be heartbroken i would be heartbroken hopefully i can still buy them in the store um what's is it uh payway payway they have a whole like a bucket full of fortune cookies oh i take a handful when i leave i don't eat them all at once but i do take like a handful for later for like you're like of course right home or if you're feeling down i'm gonna read my fortune have myself a little sugary vanilla snack after breakfast fortune cookie uh brunch fortune cookie after lunch fortune cookie do you dip yours in coffee no i don't like soggy things like if it's meant to be crunchy don't make it soggy that's why that's why i eat cereal dry um i don't eat it with milk what yep i don't eat it with milk because it makes it soggy i don't like soggy food i don't i don't like soggy food texture thing remember i get i get get boil time up you're telling me you grab a bowl Fill it up with no. I'm not a heathen. No, okay. Not a heathen. I open the bag of Reese's peanut butter puffs. I reach directly into the bag, grab a handful, and just go to town. (laughs) Actually, what's really funny? This kind of also reiterates the idea of me as Charles Boyle. I found the perfect combination of what Reese's puff tastes good together. It's three of them. You can't okay. grab more than three or else it's too like too much flavor. Can't grab less than three because then you're not getting enough. Three is good enough for just the right amount of Reese's Puff cereal flavor. But isn't it like a chocolate one and like a peanut butter yeah, one? Yeah, exactly. So you, you got to try to mix those three. One, either two chocolate, one peanut butter, or two peanut butter, one chocolate. It doesn't matter. What's the best combo for you? Now I want to know. I haven't figured that out. I might have to do some research. I'll do some research and then I'll let you know next one. Another episode. episode. Another the perfect combination of of dry, dry peanut butter. Can't do it in cereal. If it's meant to be crunchy, I want it crunchy. I don't want it to be crunchy and then get soggy. Just like with food, like I can't have cold food unless it's prepared cold. Oh, like you can't have like pizza the next day cold. Nope. Do you reheat the pizza? I reheat it. Yeah. I put it in the microwave for like 20 seconds and then I put it on a pan and I like roast, not roasted. I uh, like pan fry it. You need an air fryer, my friend. Probably. Oh man. Well, this was enlightening, not only for the Chinese food myth, but also into the culinary mind of Ross. Yes. That's me. So next time I see you, I'll get you some dry Reese's Puffs. No milk. No milk. Do you drink milk on the side at least? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, it's eat, 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 eat. No. Okay, good. Have you seen Get Out? No. Okay. There's a part in there where one of the bad guys, she eats like a Fruit Loop. And then she takes a little sip of milk. I thought that was you. I was no. going to say, you're the bad guy from Get Out. But no, I'm not a psychopath. <sighs> thankfully. All right. Perfect. Well, thank you for filling our brains with knowledge on Chinese food myths. Um, guys, if you want to follow us on Instagram, 
uh, see what we're drinking for every episode. Um, let us know if you were drinking with us when you were listening. It's Legends and Libations Podcast. Um, also find us on Twitter. Uh, we're on um, almost all of the podcast like listening devices. Uh, so go ahead and give us a shout out. Give us some rates there um, and keep on listening. Uh, thank you, Josh. Anything before you want to go? No, just stay safe and don't let anybody cough on you. There you go.